Our passage this morning is taken from the 28th chapter of Matthew, verses 16 through 29, and may be found on page 34 in your New Testament section of your Pew Bible. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came to them and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Thank you. Join with me in a word of prayer. Bless us, O Christ, with your presence today. Bless us with a direction by your Holy Spirit to the places and thoughts where we will need to go, where you need us to be. May my efforts, the choir's efforts, and all of our efforts together make this an hour of glory and praise and preparation to your purpose and will. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Some of you remember the great Hall of Fame coach Vince Lombardi. Vince Lombardi coached the Green Bay Packers uh, from the late 50s to uh, around 1967 and then spent one year with the team in Washington. But he's known as being the, the great coach of the Packers. He's known as being a pretty tough guy, fairly intimidating. He's a lot like me. (laughs) And uh, there's this notorious moment in Vince Lombardi's life where he gathers um, the, the Green Bay Packers for their first practice of the season. Of course, in front of him he has... Heisman Trophy winners and longtime professional football players, uh, men who've been playing the game since they were kids. And they knew Lombardi or they knew of his reputation and they were in terror of, of this very tough and effective leader. He stood in front of them in this first meeting with the team in that particular season. And there are many records of him standing there and in the very first words, he holds this up. And he says these words, Men, this is a football. He then went on to describe at length the football. Its length, what it was made of, its aerodynamic uh, uh, principles, the way it worked, uh, what one could expect when he hit the ground. He went on and on about the football. And then he said, follow me. And he took them all out to the field and walked them the diameter of the field, teaching them how long it was, the depth of the end zone, the height of the goalposts, and so on, going through every detail of the football and the field on which the game was played. And he said this, If there is ever a team that is talented 
but does not understand the fundamentals, they either will not go far or will never go as far as they could go. That's how Vince Lombardi was a Hall of Fame coach. Matthew 28 is Jesus' football speech. Do you hold on to that for me? Good man. In Matthew 28, there is this amazing series of events captured in one chapter. It starts off, of course, with the Easter story. Jesus is resurrected. It is Matthew's version of that glorious day. It then moves into this little story, which most of us really pay very little attention to, about how the enemies of Jesus concocted this story to try to discredit the resurrection. And then instantly jumps into verse 16, where the now 11 disciples, Judas is gone, gather on a mountain where Jesus has told them to gather and the resurrected Christ appears to them. Now I want you to capture that. In one chapter, resurrection. In one chapter, some misguided information going on. And now on a mountain and Jesus appears. It is the end of Matthew. It's the final time in Matthew he's with them. There's no Emmaus story here. There's no fishing with the disciples in the post-resurrection appearance. You find another gospels. Here, Jesus comes to them on a mountain. And he has these last things to say to them. So you're going to imagine the last things he's going to say to them are pretty critical. It is his football speech. It is the basics. After everything is said and done, after all that has happened, here's what you are called to do, he says to these eleven. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, he says. Now... Because of that, here's what you do. Make disciples in my name. Baptize. Teach. I'm with you always. I'm out of here. I didn't say that last line, but that's what happened. He leaves the early church with these simple instructions. Here's what you're called to do. Make disciples in my name, baptize, teach them everything I've taught you, and I'm with you always. That's it. And then he leaves these 11 traumatized, shaken, excited, questioning, wondering, less than perfect disciples to fulfill that mission statement. And from that point on, every time they did anything... Every time they went to try to establish a community of faith, every time they tried to step out their front door, they were to remember this is their fundamental mission. Make disciples. Baptize. Teach what I taught you. I'm with you. That's it. Now you can imagine that that's quite a challenging thing to be able to do because over the years we've been able to be very effective in not following that mission statement, haven't we? Have you thought about all the hours that you've spent in the faith community doing things that have nothing to do with those priorities? But the football speech of Jesus is to bring us back to this fundamental truth. We are here for this purpose, to make disciples. 
to baptize, to teach. He's with us. Now, there will be those in the room right now who are saying, well, that's not what I signed up for. I signed up for the potlucks. I signed up because I like to sing. I signed up because I like to help out people. I signed up because I think the preaching's outstanding. <laughs> Jesus says, here's why I want you to be here. Make disciples. Baptize. Teach. With you always. Now why would Jesus give us this as our football speech. Why would Jesus ask us to be engaged in making disciples? The answer, after all is said and done, is very basic. It has nothing to do with making the church larger. It has nothing to do with increasing the size of membership or the budget. It has nothing to do with expanding power in the world. It has to do with this. Either you have been captured by the love of Jesus Christ enough to know it's the best thing you have to give to others or you haven't. Either you understand that Jesus came into the world solely for the purpose of engaging in relationship with as many as he could and those who engaged in relationship with him were transformed in that love and grace to want to share it with others. It's just what happens it is how we're called to live. And either we've been captured by the presence of Jesus Christ enough that we want to do that or we haven't. Now, the truth is, we can be in various stages of that process. There are days in which my fundamental passion is to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with as many as I can. That's true. There are also days in which I'm so tired of being with people I could scream. Amen? Yeah, I knew I could get an amen for that. <laughs> but in the relationship with Jesus Christ, that transformative power caused me to understand this. This faith is not fundamentally about getting out of it what I need. It is not fundamentally about making sure that I and mine are all protected and safe and wealthy and happy. This faith is fundamentally about entering as many people as I can into the relationship with Jesus Christ and because of that, finding my peace, my security, my hope, and my joy in all circumstances, whatever they may be. So that's why. How? Well, maybe it would be wise to figure out what we ought to do how Jesus did it. One, you know the Gospels, right? He he got together a group of people, they built a building, sat in the middle of the building, and hoped other people would come in and, and worship with them, and they would come to know Jesus Christ that way. That's how Jesus did it, right? No. He went everywhere to where people were, and acted in no place or time like a church person, praise God. He met people where they were. He loved them as they were. He accepted them as they were with what they were, what they carried, what they were worried about, what they loved. And he offered to them unconditional love and grace and mercy. He offered to them a new way of life. But if you'll notice, to every person he encountered, he did not say, here are the fourfold steps towards salvation. 
There was no plan that everybody had to follow. He did not say to everyone, here's the same teaching for everyone. He engaged people where they were. He spoke truth to them as he could with love and grace. And in that created holy space where both he and others could be lifted up and changed and fall in love with each other. That's what Jesus did. It's about relationship. It's about loving others. It's about realizing that fundamentally my job today is to help myself and others grow in relationship with Jesus Christ. And for some, that will mean introducing them to the first time to Jesus. And we do it authentically. And we do it differently. And that's the good news. Now here's the best part. If you look at the passage again, you'll see that these 11 who are given this responsibility are on the mountain with the resurrected Christ. This is not theoretical. He's right there. And it says they did these two things. They worshipped him and some doubted. Now, that means whenever we gather together, including in this moment, there'll be some in here today who are fully engaged in worship and some who are doubting and some who believe those are the same thing and they're all right. Have you ever been in worship, maybe this morning, where you're all in and you're praising God because you've experienced him, you've known him, and you just want to give him thanks? Have you been there? Have you ever doubted? Yeah. That's why Jesus throws it at the end. Don't worry, I'm with you. Always. So when you go through your doubt and go through your questions, it's okay. I'm going to be with you. I'm going to get you through those times. But that doesn't change your football speech. Make disciples in my name. Some of you are sitting there saying, well, but that's not really my gift. Jesus never said, you're gifted to make disciples. He said, that's your mission. Some of you are saying, well, I, I don't find it easy to talk about Jesus. Some of you are going to say, well, I don't know enough about Jesus. Some of you are going to say, well, I don't know enough to be able to really handle things uh, in that way of talking to people about Jesus. Jesus says, I don't care. Your mission is to make disciples. Figure out how to do it. Do it authentically to yourself. Partially by being part of a community that says, our fundamental purpose is to make disciples for Jesus Christ, and we do not exist for ourselves. We didn't even come to church today for ourselves. And yet, when we come for others, we discover the very thing that we need the most. So how are you supposed to make disciples? I don't know. How is Jesus with you? What's your gift that you have to bring? It's very different. There was an old man one day who lived in the country. And he wanted to create and dig up space for his tomato garden. The problem was it was very rocky soil and it was beyond his ability to dig up on his own. The other problem was that his son, who normally helped him with that, was in jail. So he wrote his son about the problem of the fact that he wished his son were there to help him dig that rocky ground for the tomato garden because he couldn't do it by himself. A couple days later, he received a letter from his son who was in jail saying, Dad, don't dig up that ground. That's where I hid the bodies. The next morning, the man woke up to a knock on the door and found state police and FBI agents all over the place digging up that ground. They didn't find any bodies. They left. And a few days later, the man in jail wrote his dad and said, Dad, that's the best I could do from here. Hope it helped. Love. (laughs) 
There are a lot of ways to get something done. The question is, does it get done? Do you help in the engagement of others coming to know Christ? That's why we're here. And that's why we go. We're in a time of the year when we're going a lot. Right now you have 11 youth and 3 adults in Jamaica not laying on the beach getting sunburned, but rather working in the poverty areas of Jamaica, building houses and serving the poor in Jamaica. Why? Because, well, that's what Jesus would have us do. This week, we're getting ready to go down to Pontiac to work at Baldwin Center. You heard Christine reference it in her prayer. 128 people are signed up this week to participate in Adult Righteous Mission. 128. Some will be there all week, some for part of a day, some for several days, and whatever their schedule allows. But they're going to go help in a community and to a people because that's the kind of thing Jesus would have us do. Next week after, we have Vacation Bible School where we have a hundred volunteers who are offering their time to come and be with the children of the community who will come to us, almost 200. There would be more, but we don't have space for them. And my quick math says that you're getting close to 250 people in the next three weeks, the next two weeks, engaged in mission for the sake of Jesus Christ. Thanks be to God. But I'm here to tell you this. If we are in Jamaica, and if we're in Pontiac, and if we're serving the children of Clarkston, and we have fantastic programs, and do not keep as our primary focus, what? To make disciples for Jesus Christ, then we will have lost the reason for being there in the first place. Does that mean that we speak Jesus' name everything we do? No. Does that mean we preach scripture at people every time we turn around? No. It means that to the best of my ability, I represent the Jesus who loves me to the people who I'm called to love for his sake. And I trust, as Jesus did, that that was enough for transformation to occur. Now, are you going on adult righteous mission? Are you going on vacation Bible school? I don't know. But I can promise you this. You're going on mission this week. When you leave these doors... You have been confronted by the gospel of Jesus Christ, which has said your primary mission is to... He does not say, those of you over here, those of you over here. And here's the truth I'm going to tell you. Every answer to every question I've ever had in my personal faith journey, every time I've gone into a crisis of of sadness or, or not sure what to do, Every time I get frustrated in my profession because of what's going on or what I can't accomplish. Every time, the best way for me to find peace and hope and joy is to get outside of myself and to go sit with somebody else and share Jesus. That's just my truth. That's what I tell you. It's a simple fact. And so today I invite you to understand that some days it's only just showing up. Some days it's going out. And in every day, it is witnessing this truth. I will live to date so that someone else will know the love of Jesus Christ. So that I will not be a barrier to someone else loving Jesus. And on the days when that's easy, on the days when that's hard, I will never forget, I, he said, 
will be with you always. So go do your job and celebrate the Lord. Amen.